Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Jeff Kinley continues laying out the details of the global reset, and Dr. Kenneth Hill is here to encourage us to rise up for the Lord. The August edition of the Prophecy in the News magazine is out now, featuring timely articles examining the conflict in Ukraine, the road to World War III, the One World Religious Center, and much more. Subscribe today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can subscribe at our website, swrc.com. The Prophecy in the News magazine. James Collins welcomes Jeff Kinley back to Watchmen on the Wall to continue their discussion about the Global Reset and its impact on you and your family. Last time we spoke with Jeff Kinley about the Great Reset, a term that is used by the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, and other globalists to describe their goal of creating a globalist system. Jeff is back with us today to continue our conversation. He is a best-selling author and speaker whose mission is to empower people with God's vintage truth, helping them to discern the times and to become influencers for Jesus Christ. Jeff is the author of over 30 books and is a frequent speaker at churches and organizations all around this country, and his weekly Vintage Truth podcast is heard in over 50 countries worldwide. Jeff, thanks for being back on the program with me again today. Hey, James, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Jeff, last time we spoke about this fantastic book that you co-authored with Mark Hitchcock titled Global Reset. By the way, Mark Hitchcock is a terrific pastor and author. He is in the Oklahoma City area. I've been to his church several times. He really helps you step up your game, doesn't he? No, he really does. Mark is not only a great scholar, but a great pastor. So he speaks with great depth, but at the same time, any person can understand Well, let's review a little bit about what we talked about yesterday. Who is Klaus Schwab, what is the World Economic Forum, and what do these globalists mean when they speak about a great reset or global reset? Yeah, Klaus Schwab is this German educator that founded this thing called the World Economic Forum uh, way back in 1971. It was under a different name at that time, but for 50 years they've been meeting every year in Davos, Switzerland, to talk about how they can essentially take the world and mold it into the image that they want it to be. Of course, these globalists are very pagan, godless people with very noble-sounding goals and and dreams and desires, but in the end, they're simply fulfilling Satan's long-awaited desire to rule the world, and they're simply being pawns in his hand. Ultimately, the master globalist is Satan, and in Global Reset, you list four areas how Satan works in our world today, the first of which is he darkens the mind. Now, how does Satan darken the mind? Well, the Bible says in Second Corinthians 4.4 4, that he is the God of this world and that he blinds people's minds to the gospel. Obviously, he doesn't want the light of life, Jesus Christ, or the light of God's truth to come to people. So he prevents them from understanding that truth that God wants them to have, and he desires to be controlled and worshipped. And so he goes in and he brings in his deceptive world system that I believe is a part of what he's using today to basically control people's minds. I mean, in Romans 12, too, he talks about how do not be conformed to the world, Paul says, and that word conform means to be pressed into a mold. So Satan's using pressure. He's using cultural pressure, moral pressure, political pressure to keep people basically under wraps. The second way Satan works in our world today is he distracts desires. 
How does Satan divert our minds and our desires from the one thing that really matters? Well, he's the master of misdirection. He's like a great illusionist. He causes people to look at the shiny object in the distance as opposed to looking that the truth is staring them in the face. And, you know, I talk about how in the parable of the sower and the soil that Satan is like the bird that comes and comes and snatches the word that's been sown in people's hearts. And so he distracts them with the desires of the world. He keeps them busy with the things of the world. And, you know, like in Matthew twenty four thirty seven, where Jesus said that the end times will be just as it was in the days of Noah, and they were eating and drinking and giving and marrying and giving in marriage, the same thing is happening today. Satan has people so distracted, the average person spends over five hours on their phone every day mm. just looking at social media and videos and all these things. We're being mind-numbed to death, and so he's distracting us from the things that really matter and putting us on the things that are just trivial. The third way Satan works in our world today is by deceiving hearts. Deception is one of the most powerful weapons in the devil's arsenal, isn't it? Well, it really is. The danger of deception is that when a person is deceived, they don't know that they're deceived, mm-hmm. because that's being what being deceived is all about, is you don't even realize that, that you're being deceived. And the Bible says that that deception is going to dramatically ramp up during the final days, of course, during the tribulation with the false prophet and his lies and miracles. But even before that, I believe that today Satan is using both subtle deception, as we've spoken of before, just blatant lies to try to lead people astray. And so it just tells us something of Satan's nature, because he cannot not deceive. In other words, the only thing he can do is deceive. Even when he tells the truth, he does it in such a way that it's very deceptive. And so Scripture warns us about the cunning deceptions or the schemes of the devil. And that's why it's so important, James, that we have discerning hearts and that we can see in the dark and see what Satan's doing. And the only way we can do that is by filling our minds with God's Word. The fourth way Satan works in our world is he dilutes truth. And you kind of alluded to that You write in the book, in these last days, there's no shortage of those who dispute, dilute, reinterpret, reimagine, rewrite, and outright deny God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. Would you explain some of the ways that's happening today? If you go back to Genesis and you read the Genesis account, and if that is not true, then how in the world can we believe anything the rest of the Bible says? In other words, if we're going to allegorize Genesis, if Satan can get us to dilute what the literal interpretation of Genesis, then certainly we don't understand the rest of the Bible, and certainly not Revelation of all things. We can't take that literally as well. And so what Satan does, it's a campaign of really diluting God's truth, of sending mixed signals about, did God really say, and it's what he said in the garden to Adam and Eve. So it begins really with creation. God didn't make the world. God didn't make you. He didn't make you a man like he thought you were all the way to Revelation, where Revelation is nothing more than really a a book of symbols. Nobody can understand it. Jesus is really not coming back. It's just a fairy tale book. And then it just goes on and on in our culture today with sexuality and identity and the sanctity of life. It's not really a baby. So really Satan, on every area that God speaks on James authoritatively, Satan counterattacks that. He mocks that and he brings an alternate view to that. And so As Isaiah said in Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who say good is evil and evil is good. Well, that's exactly what Satan is doing with every single area of sexuality, of gender, of morality, and of life itself, and particularly of our creation. This is James Collins, and I'm speaking today with Jeff Kinley. We're talking about Global Reset, a book that he co-wrote with Mark Hitchcock. 
And you can order a copy of this fantastic book right now by calling 1-800-652-1144. That toll-free number, once again, is 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online at swrc.com. Jeff, I want to talk for a minute about China. You have a chapter in Global Reset on China. What is China's role in the Global Reset? Well, China really is leading the way in a lot of ways, modeling what a one-world government could look like, and they're doing so in many ways. Number one, China is really a society of surveillance. In other words, they surveil their citizens, they control their citizens. There have been entire cities of millions of people in China recently that have been under complete lockdown. They put people into essentially what become house arrest for not obeying the government concerning a certain protocols concerning COVID. So they surveil their people. There's a social credit system there where if you don't obey the values of the great society, then basically you can't buy. They won't let you buy or sell. They won't let you participate in the economy. They're also a growing economy themselves. They're growing the military. It's a dictatorial type rule, a tyrannical rule. And so they're punishing people for not obeying the governance of their society by keeping them from traveling, they'll slow down the internet speeds, they'll restrict their education, their travel, and that type of thing. So in those ways, I think China is really modeling on one scale, and it's not a small area as well. There are billions of people in China. So that's one way that China is doing that. Jeff, you spoke with me last month about your book, The End of America. And since you have a chapter in Global Reset on America, I want to go back to that topic. What part does America play in Bible prophecy, and what is America's role in the coming Global Reset? I think one thing we can say about American Bible prophecy that we can be pretty confident about is that America has been a great force for good in terms of the gospel. I think one statistic says we've funded up to 90% of really the world gospel outreach and in the past century, and we've been really a leader in that regard. Also, America traditionally, since 1948, has been an ally to Israel, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've been blessed, is is that we have been an ally to Israel. But at the same time, a lot of that's turning. The Judeo-Christian roots upon which America was founded have eroded, they've become rotten, and I believe that we are well into a Romans 1 abandonment protocol where God is really unleashing an abandonment wrath on America right now because of the fact that we've rejected him as creator. We have speculated as to our own purpose in life, and we've gone our own ways. We've encountered a sexual revolution, a homosexual revolution. We have become a nation of godless people, of haters of God, as it says in the Scripture. And so we've really kind of modeled Romans 1. So because of that, I think that we're on a huge decline right now in America for many, many reasons. But as far as how that relates to the end times, James, I believe that when you study the Scripture, you know, people think they see America several places in the Bible, but specifically I don't see America mentioned in the end times. And so it begs the question, how can the most powerful nation on earth not play a major role in the end times? Something has to happen to America to cause us to be a rather, at the very most, an insignificant player on the world scene. I believe that something is going to be the rapture. Mm -hmm. I think the rapture is going to really decimate and gut America, not just from a numerical standpoint, but also economically and in every other way, just militarily and going down the line. I think America is going to really implode morally and economically and from a violent standpoint. 
when the rapture hits. And so we will find ourselves at that point at our very weakest in our entire history. And we may perhaps either uh, assimilate into some other coalition that may be a part of Antichrist's ultimate campaign and world rule, or we may be attacked by some foreign force such as China or Russia. And so I don't really know what's going to happen in terms of that, but I do know that America is not going to be a player. I think one of the reasons is going to be the rapture. The second reason will be because she simply not stood by Israel in these last days. Jeff, keeping on the subject of the rapture, you write about going to a play in London and being filled with expectation. You use that story as an illustration to show that the stage is set for the rapture. Would you share that story, that illustration? It was a great experience going to this incredible playhouse in downtown London, going to see, I think it was Les Mis. Just sitting there, you could hear the orchestra warm up, and you could see the lights being tested and the lights being dimmed. You could you know, hear the chatter backstage, and, and people had just a sense of something great's about to happen here. And then all of a sudden, everything just went quiet, and people stopped talking, the lights went down, the orchestra stopped playing, and all of a sudden, the band struck up and the curtain opened, and you were just blown away by what you saw. I think that's really a very appropriate description about what we see happening right now, is that we as the church, at least those who are looking forward to the coming of Christ, we're seeing the stage being set right now for really the rapture, although there are no specific signs for the rapture. We certainly are in a season of it and can see the signs of really revelation being set right now. And so we hear the orchestra playing. We see that the world stage is being set And all that really needs to happen is for there to be that silence before the curtain opens for Revelation. I think that silence is going to happen when Jesus is going to come back for his church. And even though there's going to be a trumpet blown at that time, it's not going to be really silent. But at the same time, I think that the illustration is appropriate in the sense that right now the church, the true church, I think is feeling that anticipation. And as we see all throughout the New Testament, over and over again, there's some 20-something references of Paul telling the church to eagerly await the coming of Christ, to be ready, to make yourself ready, to make himself pure, to purify himself. And so certainly the New Testament tells us to get ready for that. And so right now, I think we're in the season. Jeff, you and I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. How do you answer those who say that that is just escapism and believers must go through the tribulation? I would respond, first of all, by saying it is an escape. And by definition and by nature, by design, God made it an escape. Amen. Uh, In the same way, he escaped a lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, and he escaped Noah from the flood. I think God is going to escape us, but it's not based upon just a desire to get out of hard times, because Jesus said in in John 16, he says, if you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. John 15, he said, that the world hates me, they're going to hate you. So certainly, you couldn't lay at the feet of believers over the past 2,000 years that we haven't gone through tribulation. Right now, there's like 165 countries that are actively persecuting Christians, and some are being killed for their faith, obviously. It's just that in America, we've just had it very, very good for a long time. Our culture, even our government, has sort of had our back. We've been on a home field advantage, but those tides are really turning right now. So it's not that Christians won't go through tribulation, it's that we won't go through the tribulation. And the way I think that is best defined by that, James, is the fact that the tribulation represents God's fury, God's wrath, God's anger, on humanity and planet Earth. And certainly Jesus Christ took all the anger and wrath for us. So as 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says and 5.9, they both say that we're not destined for wrath and that we're not destined to go through the wrath that is coming. And so he's promised us, as he promised 
and Revelation 3.10 to take us out of the testing that's coming upon the world. So Jesus is coming back to rescue his bride before that same Jesus breaks open the seals in Revelation 6 and sends wrath on the earth. So it's a rescue operation, it's an extraction operation, and Christ will rescue his bride before his wrath comes on planet Earth. In the book Global Reset, you write, the only true global resetter is God. What did you mean by that statement? Yeah, well, since God is the one who created the world, he's certainly the only one who could reset it. And the Bible tells us not only is Jesus going to come back, but that he's going to reign in a millennial kingdom for a thousand years, and after that, create a new heavens and a new earth. And this is where it gets just really exciting, all the troubles and all the problems that we've had in this life, all the problems that the tribulation saints will go through, all those things will be done away with because God's going to push the reset button and make it new and good and righteous, not from a human standpoint, but from a divine standpoint. And there we'll enjoy a life that we never could have dreamed of with Christ sitting on the throne, uh, righteousness dwelling. We're in glorified bodies. We're able to worship him. We know everyone. We're experiencing life at a level that no one has ever experienced, not even in the Garden of Eden. So God is certainly going to reset the world. But before that, there's going to be a satanic reset before it happens. Jeff, there may be someone listening today who needs to reset their life, come to Jesus Christ and get saved. Would you take a moment and explain how that person can receive Christ? It's really very simple. It's not hard to understand. It's just hard to do. The gospel is really about us embracing what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And by showing his love for us on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. In other words, he went to hell while he was on that cross. God punished him with his wrath. He withdrew his presence from Christ, which is the penalty for sin. And Jesus took all that, took our sin on him, so that we wouldn't have to take that sin on ourselves in eternity and eventually in the lake of fire. And so the gospel is just simply when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, we accept that payment that he made on our behalf. The Bible says we have eternal life. We've become children of God. We're guaranteed security of our salvation forever, and we get to be with God. And so Besides that, James, we also get to live an abundant life and to know God while we're here on the earth. So that keeps us from going into the tribulation, suffering under God's wrath and Antichrist. So it's really kind of a win-win situation as opposed to a lose-lose deal, which is where most people are today. The book is titled Global Reset by Jeff Kinley and Mark Hitchcock. Jeff, thanks again for being on the program with me today. James, always a pleasure. Thank you. The complete two-day presentation by Jeff Kinley on the Global Reset is available now on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today's featured resource is the brand new book, Global Reset, by Mark Hitchcock and Jeff Kinley. In Global Reset, you'll discover the Great Reset Agenda that sets the stage for the end-time scenario prophesied in Scripture. You'll also learn how China and other great nations are beginning to play a dominant role in international, socioeconomic, and political dynamics, and God's Great Reset, planned for planet Earth and humanity, the millennial reign of Christ. Order copies of this great book. Order copies of Global Reset for you and your loved ones. Order today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. If you have your Bibles handy, turn to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 18. Ministry President Dr. Kenneth Hill is here to look at this verse and encourage us to be ready 
to rise up for the Lord. Take a look in your Bible in the Old Testament and find the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Nehemiah chapter 2, we'll begin verse 16. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that you're in? How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. In this portion of Nehemiah, we see the call of Nehemiah to those that are his Jewish compatriots. To begin with, he had not told anyone, Jew nor Gentile, except the king, as to what he was going to be doing there and what he was going to be doing for the people of Jerusalem by building and rebuilding the walls. This was going to be something special. And so as we think about that, we know that God uses individuals called upon to do special tasks. Sometimes that person is just someone you know, and other times it's someone that you get to meet and you get to know them. In this case, this is a man who had stature in the kingdom and he was trusted by his king. When he said what he needed to do, the king believed him. And the king knew that God's hand would be upon this man. The king would give him anything he wanted to make sure that his compatriot would achieve success in what he was going to do. And so this was a time of distress, a time of terrible problems in the communities, and yet it was a time to rise up and do something special for Almighty God. Not very different than today, is it? We see that the world around us is lying in waste and degradation. We see the gates of our city are burned with fire. We see that we have problem upon problem in our neighborhoods. We can start counting the troubles that we see, and when we do that, all we'll do is get deeper and deeper in distress. But if that's what you want to do, go ahead, make a list of the troubles, and then make a list of the troubles that God cannot take care of. 
the ones that are too big for God. Make a list of those. Oh, you realize you can't make a list of those things that are too big for God to take care of. It is minor in God's sight. He can take care of it for you. And so here we see in verse 18, after they had discussed the fact of the burned gates and the tottering walls, then I told them, says Nehemiah, of the hand of my God, which was upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for their good work. All it took was the example of one man being touched by Almighty God, one man being given the strength by Almighty God to get the work done. It took one man to stand and proclaim the truth of what God would do when one man is consecrated unto the Lord. And the walls were constructed. It was the fact that the men of the city and the men that came with Nehemiah all strengthened their hands for the work of putting the walls up and the gates up and having the city once again be the city that it was. He called it this good work. I remember as a Boy Scout always trying to find a good turn to do every day. I'm sure there were many good things I could have done that I didn't do and many good things that I did that maybe I could have done more of. But I knew that I was supposed to do something good every day. Well, now, if a secular group can come up with that, why can't a Christian group come up with the truth that distresses maybe our lot but only when we do not see what God has already started to do. And here we are in Nehemiah's day seeing that the fact of the king's words upon Nehemiah, the fact that God was at work through Nehemiah, those around him said, let us rise up and build. My friend, let's rise up and build as God would have us to do so, even as we work through the Watchman on the Wall broadcast. May we rise up and build because God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Jeff Kinley and Mark Hitchcock's new book, Global Reset, will open readers' eyes and alert them to how world leaders are using the Great Reset Agenda, all pointing toward the universal economy and godless global government of the Antichrist. Order Global Reset when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. 
1-1-4-4. Tomorrow, uncover God's prophetic plan for the ages and your place in it. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com.